What's up, 9 a.m.? Are you glad to be in God's presence today? Yes. Awesome time of worship. I, uh, I greatly appreciate our teams. Uh, those of you that are on the Dream Team, maybe, maybe this service is your service to sit. We encourage people to serve one, sit one. But uh, whether it's people parking cars, checking children in, our kids' ministry today, first week in ages 0 to 11, uh, but our worship team, the list goes on. We have, we have one team, but so many people that serve in different facets and parts of that. And I am so grateful for our teams that serve. We would not be able to have service after service, weekend after weekend. And even just listening today to the guys on the stage, I loved our time of worship. But Larry over here on the guitar, I know he's up here often, but for some reason today, it was just almost like I could hear it more like like he was like, dun, 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 dun. like he did some like five thing. I can't wait till 1045 to hear the five thing again. I loved it. Uh, but would you let all of our teams know how appreciative you are of the hours they put in in their heart to serve? Glad that you are here for our 9 a.m. service. I know for many of you, you've already shared with me whether it was schooling or work. It's been a long week yesterday. Uh, a lot of our staff and leaders, we had a funeral in the morning, uh, which we are continuing to pray for the family. Uh, we had a wedding last night, a lot of stories. I was at the wedding for Chance and Faith, so I wasn't sure who would even show up for 9 o'clock. After the week, I seriously thought it might be me and PK, a few others. I had here in my notes to read the verse where two or three are gathered together in my name, and then you guys surprised me. You're here. Uh, I actually went in this morning. This is a true story. I went in this morning, and Micaiah and Ellie had told me, that's my two youngest, are 12 and 10, told me last night, Dad, we are going to first service too. We're not just the second, we're going to the first two. I said, okay, Dad, don't forget, I'm already in bed. Micaiah comes in, Dad, don't forget, we are going to first service. So I get up this morning, I, I go out to get uh, Eliana and Micaiah. I said, come on guys, we gotta go, I'm leaving in 20 minutes if you're coming with me. Eliana, my 12-year-old, never even answered, didn't say a word, nothing, no response. I see her hand come out from underneath the blanket that was it. That was it. And so they're not here. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they come at 1045. Um, pray for my family. Uh, but we are, we are celebrating also today. Uh, we have some of our directors, our leaders, our team that is at East Knox today. Uh, they are celebrating their launch, their first Sunday today at East Knox. So let's celebrate with Pastor Josiah and Whitney. And the team at East Knox, we're excited about what's happening there. And speaking not only of, of our East Knox location and the church there, but churches in general, uh, I want to pray for I want to pray for churches. I serve on I believe it's eleven church boards that I, I serve on around the country, and even talking to them, I just want to pray blessings on those churches. I want to pray blessings on the churches around our region. So. Can we pray together for, we're, we're just one church, right? I, I know I say often we have 250 churches in our region, and we do, uh, but, but there's only one church, there's one name, there, there's one body of Christ, and so let's pray, let's pray for the church today. God, we thank you for this day, the middle of summer, uh, season of transition, people making decisions with schooling, whether it's homeschooling, remote learning, back to school, uh, people even in churches and kids' ministries, there's a lot going on. I pray for pastors and staff and leaders and volunteers. I pray for the body of Christ as a whole, that this would not be a season where they're just holding on. Uh, they're just hopefully awaiting. 
but this would be a season of revival. This would be a season of restoration and renewal. Uh, I feel it in times of prayer. You are wanting to do something powerful in our nation and around the world. And so we believe for a reviving and a restoring and a renewing to come to the body of Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. I want to talk to you today on a subject that I referenced and shared some at our student conference. Uh, I want to talk about it today as part of our Animal Kingdom series. And then next Sunday, I am going to be preaching the finale of our Animal Kingdom series on next Sunday. And then we are going to move in the month of September. Those of you that like to get ahead, jump ahead. Uh, We are going to be going uh, chapter by chapter and looking at some scriptural passages in the book of James. And so those of you that have quiet time, Bible reading time, if you want to read the book of James and just begin to prepare your heart uh, for the month of September and our scriptural study in September, you can do that as well. Today, uh, there are several stories in the Bible that talk about pigs or swine. Today, we're going to use one of those stories for our Animal Kingdom series. And I want to talk to you on the subject, great things. That, that's what I would like to talk to you about today, great things. Can we say that together? Great things. Can we say it one more time? Great, great things. How many of you, after the message on flies, it took your hatred for flies to a whole nother level? Anyone? Uh, you don't want no flies on anything, not just your food, nothing. Me too. I was so grossed out. I'm still scarred from that sermon. Uh, but today we're going to talk about pigs. Uh, what do you call a pig that's no fun to be around? A boar. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. What do you call a pig that wins the lottery? Filthy rich. Uh, I know they're bad. Uh, I did hear the joke about the man who called the church one day. It's one of my my favorite jokes. A man called the church office one day and said, can I please speak to the head hog at the trough? Uh, The assistant, highly offended, said, if you mean the pastor, you may refer to him as pastor or brother, but you can certainly not refer to him as the head hog at the trough. The man said, well, I'm sorry. I was planning on giving $25,000 to your church's building fund. The secretary said, hold on, the big pig just walked in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Lord, thank you for your generosity. What do you call a pig with three eyes? Pig. (laughs) Okay, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Those ones make me turn red. They embarrass me. For real, I like... Those are the ones I second guess all week. Like, I don't know if I should do that one. There are an estimated 2 billion domesticated pigs on the planet. There's numerous kinds and species of pigs. Among those are wild boars, warthogs, pygmy hogs, domestic pigs. Female pigs called cows or sows give birth to offspring twice a year. Baby pigs are called piglets. At birth, Piglets weigh around 2.5 pounds, according to the National Geographic, within a week. Most piglets will double their weight. Pigs communicate with a variety of grunts and squeaks. A short grunt, a longer growl, and a loud roar will warn other pigs of approaching danger. That's according to the San Diego Zoo. Pigs, boars, and hogs are omnivores and will eat just about anything. That's, again, according to the National Geographic. Some uh, pigs have specific diets, but many pigs on farms are fed slop, which consists of vegetable peels, fruit rinds, and other leftover food items. A hog 
often means a domestic pig that weighs more than 120 pounds. Pigs will usually weigh between 300 and 700. There's a variation there, but they, they do say the largest domestic pig of all time is from Hubbardsville, New York. His name was Big Norm. He topped the scales at a whopping 1,600 pounds. Uh, pigs are, yeah, it's a lot of bacon. Um, <laughs> pigs are also called swine. I want to read to you today out of Luke chapter number 8. Uh, Luke chapter number 8, beginning at verse number 26. I want to jump down through a few verses and land at verse number 39. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he, Jesus, stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons. Notice this, for a long time. Very interesting when you read the Bible and just take your time to see some of the intricate details. I want you to notice some of them here. He wore no clothes. He wore no clothes. Nor did he live in a house. He wore no clothes. I just want you to notice that he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, I'm intrigued as I read these verses, the different people that see different things. If, if you notice as we're going down through these verses, you're going to see that different people saw different things in these verses I read to you. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and this man would break the bonds and was driven, notice this, driven by the demon uh, into the wilderness. So this demon had a direction that he was trying to take the man. He wasn't just tormenting him. He was trying to take him in a certain direction. I want God's word to help you today. The Bible says in verse 30, Jesus asked him saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered into him. Some, some theologians and scholars would believe hundreds. Some, some believe it could have potentially been in the thousands of spirits uh, that was affecting this region and this man. They begged him, verse 31, they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain, so they begged him that he would permit them, the demons, to enter them, the pigs. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. And it, this is where the devil is going to show. He, he's going to, to let us know his agenda. We're going to see the direction ultimately that demons are trying to take us. Right here in this verse, the Bible says, and the herd ran violently. If you want to know what the devil's trying to do to your life, if you've ever read the Gospel of John, steal, kill, destroy, kind of things. Look what happens here. The Bible says they ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned because that's what the devil would like to do with your life. He'd like to take you down. The devil wants to take you down. Notice these last few verses. When those who fed them saw, so here's another sighting. When those who fed the swine, when they saw what happened, they fled and told it, in the city and the country, then they went out to see. So here's another one. They went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, notice that, in his right mind, they were afraid. 
Final two verses. Now, the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, so he wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to go with Jesus. And sometimes I've met people over my 30 years of pastoring, they'll get saved and they're like, I've got to leave everything and I've got to go. And, I, and, and sometimes that needs to take place. But just notice here where he tells Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, actually, I need you to go home. Notice that. Sometimes that's our greatest mission field. He said, I need you to go home and tell what great things. Now, up until this point in the story, I feel like everything we're reading is bad. I, I feel, like, feel like when I read this guy's cutting himself with stones, Tim, that's, that's not good. Eli, when, when I see that they're trying to chain him and he keeps breaking the chains and wants to run around a cemetery naked, doesn't sound great to me. But it's, it's not just how your story starts. Right? He said, I need you to go home and I need you to tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way. I love this. <clears throat> not just to his house. He proclaimed throughout the whole city. Come on, Belleville. Butler. Fredericktown. Lexington. Mount Gilead, Mansfield, Ontario, Ashland, right? He started telling everybody he wasn't ashamed at school. If you would, he wasn't ashamed on social media, wasn't afraid to go onto his job site and tell people it's not on the down low, not like he kept it a secret six days a week. He starts telling everybody what great things Jesus had done for him. I don't know if there's a story in the Bible that would encompass our church name better than this story. There's a, there's a lot of stories in the Bible that would explain why we are named what we're named, but but I don't know if there's any better than this because there's three parts to our name. The first part of our church name is that God writes great stories. God writes good stories. We wrote a song about it. We sing about it. God, God writes good stories. And this, by definition, when Jesus picks up the pen, before, before that boat lands on the shore and Jesus steps out, Everything about this story, whether it's hundreds of demons or thousands, everything about this story is not a good story. But when Jesus picks up the pen and we see a guy clothed and in his right mind, that's a good story. That's the first part of our name. The second part of our name is that we'll tell people there's two sides to your story. There's your life before Christ, there's your, your life after Christ. You, you'll see in the original logo, the, the S, the two sides, the, the cut in the middle, the top being black and dark, sometimes discouraging and depressing. depressing. The Bible says we're born in sin. But that middle break in, in our church name where it turns to green and symbolizing life and newness, that when Jesus enters the equation, that old things can pass and all things can become new. And I see it here with this guy. And then the third part of our name is there's a lot of people that they may not believe a sermon, but, 
but they would believe your story. You, you really should tell your story. The Bible would call it your testimony. And this guy is a prime example of our church name. Jesus said, I want you to go home. And he goes home into his city, into his region, to his area, and tells everybody, my life is not the same since I met Jesus. When I read this story, we see the emphasis. Some people don't like to talk about it, but we see an emphasis on demons or, or the devil. Some people want to shun away from ever talking about the negative impact that the devil can have on your life. But, but it's true. You know, one, one church study said only 48% of people believe in the reality of the enemy. 48%. That means 52% of churchgoers could say, I just don't know. I, I want to tell you I'm, I'm not 48%. If there's such a thing as 110%, I'm 110%. But I am fully convinced that there is spiritual warfare and there is an enemy and there is opposition that wants to destroy you and destroy your family. When you read this story about the devil, I, I was reminded, I was reminded reading it, and I've shared it before, but I was reminded reading it when I'm driving down the road one day with the pastor and Micaiah, my 10-year-old boy, Micaiah Solomon, he's in the back seat and you know, we're always telling him, you know, dad's talking, mom's talking, buddy, hold on just a second. He always wants to jump in and just ask his question when he wants to ask it. And we're always like, buddy, just wait your turn for a second. But, but we're talking and right in the middle of it, he blurts out like his gifting is. He just blurts out and says, dad, play some of that devil music. And I'm totally caught off guard. I have no idea what he's talking about. And it turned out he wanted me to play Zach Brown. The devil went down to Georgia. But... For a second, I was thinking like, buddy, you're really embarrassing me here. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Some of the devil music. The devil is not just in a musical standoff in a song. The devil, I, I don't know how 52% of people come to, to this belief, but, but the devil... Is not just something that is a figment of people's imagination or made up. It's real. There is spiritual darkness. There, there, there are principalities and powers that are trying to influence and impact your life. When I read this story, I just want to step down through some of the things that the devil shows us is, is part of is part of his goal in your life. The first is this, that the devil does not have your best interest in mind. The devil does not have your best interest in mind. If you were to see his schemes right now, if you were, I know maybe you're not fully aware of it, evidently 52% of people aren't, but, but if you could see his schemes right now, if, if you were to assess his agenda, if you, if you were to know the devil's desires, if I could show you a game plan or a goal, it's not for you to be healthy. It's not for you to be happy. He's, he's not hoping that the purpose for your life comes to pass. He's not wishing you all the best. He's not just standing back saying, wow, I hope you have a great marriage. Not standing back saying, I hope your kids live for God. 
Not sitting back saying, I think it's great that you build a new kids and student ministry. He's not joining our applause for East Knox today. He's not looking at baptism pictures like, wow, 30 and then eight more and then four more. That's fantastic. If you were to see into the decisions he's trying to make for your life, come on, I want God's word to convict you today and help you today. He's trying to bring wrong relationships. He's trying to put you in the wrong rooms. He's trying to bring an offended influence into your life. He's trying to surround you with negative environments. He wants you to see certain things, whether it's a commercial, whether it's a post. He's hoping that you take the bait. He wants you to hear certain things because he does not have your best interest in mind. devil wants to waste your life. He wants to waste your life. Waste. You get to the end of your life. He wants people to say, he could have been more. She could have been more. They never really amounted. Remember when there was a time, that's what the devil wants. He wants to waste your life. The Bible says here in verse 27, that this guy had these problems, these, these problems, these oppressions, these possessions. He had this for a long, not a little time, not a bad day, not he struggled for the afternoon. He had them for a long time because the devil loves to waste your life. Matter of fact, I would go so far as to say that the devil is wasting some people's lives right now. Those that are in the room, those that are watching online, the devil is wasting some people's lives right now. They're thinking, well, when I get 30, I'll get my act together. Well, maybe down the road. Pastor Micah, there will come a time where I'll decide I'm going to let that go and change that and stop that. And there's no one happier that you are living that kind of life than the enemy. He finds great joy and you wasting your time. It doesn't bother him that you drop out or fall behind. He celebrates your procrastination. He cheers on you putting things off. He wants to waste your life. The devil wants to take your dignity. All these snaps and sexting and sending pictures and it's no big deal. It's no big deal, Pastor Mike. I want you to notice this. Sometimes we skim scriptures. The devil tried to get this guy's clothes off. It's not just about immodesty. Modesty matters. The Bible talks about it. You should look in a mirror and say, am I representing today? Does does this look like I am covered in a way I should be covered? In 2020, we have such an agenda of the enemy I'm not saying everything's an attack of Satan, but everyone wanting to take their clothes off and thinking no one's going to see it. The picture disappears. Nobody will ever know, Micah. It's not a big deal. But I want to challenge you today, and I feel the anointing of God. It's not just about your shirt or your pants or your dress or your clothes. He's trying to take your self-worth. He's trying to take your honor. He's trying to destroy your self-esteem. He wants you to feel 
feel worthless. He wants you to feel disrespected. The Bible says not only did he take his clothes off, he didn't live in a house. Nor did he live in a house because the devil would love to have you out of the house. For some people, that's a natural house. You don't need to listen to your parents. You don't need to listen to your spouse. You don't need to listen. The the devil not only wants you out of a natural house, but at times he's trying to get you out of God's house. This is not the only swine story where the devil tries to get people out of the house. If we were to turn the pages, we would find the story of the prodigal son who said, give me, give me my inheritance, give me my money. But you don't realize in taking your stuff, you're getting out of the house. And he goes into a faraway country and there's all kinds of parties and harlots and spending his money and riotous living. But you have to understand the devil's desire is not just the party and the fun. He's trying to get you to the swine. You're going to end up with pigs and nothing to eat. Because the devil, he wants you out of the house. He doesn't care if he uses sports schedules. He doesn't care if he uses, I gotta have the boat, I gotta have the quad, I gotta work long hours, I gotta take a second job. He doesn't care if it's, well, this is my day to mow, it's my only day to sleep in. (laughs) He doesn't really care what he uses in your life. I just want you to understand, it's not just sunny and 80 or 90 degrees. That's not just what's happening in your life. It's not just, well, this press conference and this briefing and this person told me. There is something deeper than all of that. It's not just mowing and sleeping in. The enemy is saying, if I can just get them away from God's house, if I can get them away from prayer and praise and the presence of God, he has an agenda for your life. Mark chapter 5, verse 5 says, And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying, 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 and cutting himself. Because I want you to realize the devil doesn't care that you cry. There's a lot of people, if they saw you cry right now, they, they might come over and say, I'm praying for you, I care. You can have a child cry, whether it's a teacher or a coach or a parent. You know, are you Okay. Funeral yesterday, I'm watching the emotions of children crying at their mom's funeral, and I'm feeling tears welling up in me because I'm seeing them cry. The devil doesn't care that you cry. Doesn't care that you put your head on your pillow and you're a struggling college student. Doesn't care that tears stream down your face and you're thinking, will I ever find a wife? Will I ever find a husband? Being single. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that your marriage is struggling. He doesn't care that your child is rebellious. He doesn't care. Tears could stream down. There is no part of the enemy that cares that you cry. Say, Pastor Micah, you're painting very dark, bleak picture of him, I hope. I wish I could do a better job. I wish I could tell you how disgusting and how demoralizing and how demeaning and how destructive he really is. I've watched it. He never shows you the back end. He's gonna show you the give me. He's gonna show you, prodigal son, get your stuff and go, but he's never going to show you what it looks like with the swine. devil wants to control the direction of your life. 
The devil wants to control the direction of your life. Verse 29 says it often seized him, said he was driven by the demon, said it would take him places. Look at all those phrases. The devil wants to control the direction of your life. Not, not only does he want to control the direction, look where he wants to take you. He takes you into the wilderness. He takes you into a bad land, a barren place, a deserted place, a wasteland. If you look at the definition, it means away from habitation. That's the definition. He doesn't want to just take you somewhere. He wants to, he wants to drive you into isolation. He wants you to be alone and apart and abandoned and separated and severed and disconnected. He doesn't want you just to cut yourself with a stone. He wants to cut you off. He wants to drive you into a dry place. He wants to take you down. I would sum all of it up because he doesn't want to just take you down emotionally which is part of it. He doesn't want to just take you down relationally. That's part of it. But ultimately, he would like to take you down in eternity. He would love nothing more than for Steve Barr to lose his soul. He would love nothing more than for Craig Lewis to lose his soul. He would love nothing more than for Chelsea to lose her purpose and the plan of God and the call. He would love nothing more if he can take you down he shows it here with the swine. If he could take you down, if he could drown you, say, Pastor Mike, I feel so overwhelmed right now. I feel so many pressures. I've, the enemy would love nothing more than to take you down. I sum everything that I've shared up as we come to a close, I sum it all up by telling you. It really is encompassed in, in this one thing that the enemy will keep you from, and I, I could let you fill in the blank. The enemy will keep you from, and the enemy will take you to. I want you to think about that. So those two things, that's what's happening in this story. The enemy will keep you from. I want you just to pause for a moment. I want you just to look at your life right now. What could it be that the enemy is trying to keep you from? Church? The right friends? What, what, what is it that the enemy is saying, I can't, I can't let Aaron get around who is that? Who, who is the enemy saying, if I could just get him or her out of the house, out of student ministry, out of the college night, out of the singles group, off of the prayer team, away from the dream team, I just need a break. I'm overwhelmed. I'm so tired. I'm not saying you're not tired. I'm just saying you owe it to yourself to ask, is there something more to the equation that I'm not seeing? Is the enemy trying to drive me somewhere? Is there something more that right now I'm not aware of? What's he trying to keep you from and where is he trying to take you to? As we get ready to pray, verse 28 says, and when he saw Jesus. I believe I heard Junior back there. Junior's been with us all the way downtown when we had about 10 people on a dream team, if that. I think I heard Junior amening back there. I, Junior, I love... I love this part of the story because everything up till this point, if you were to tell me, Pastor, I mean, I know every story is different, but if you were to say this marriage is struggling and this person had a drug addiction and this person hooked on porn and this person's looking online and this person, it's their third this and their fifth that and Pastor, like everything about this story, I'm reading it and I'm thinking, wow, this is out of control. Hundreds, Tim, or thousands of, this is out of control when he saw Jesus. Man, I feel the presence of God even just saying it, Jenny, when he saw Jesus. 
See, that's our story. Everyone in this room has that kind of story. I, I don't know what your story was up until your verse 28. Maybe you could say I was bitter, I was offended, church hurt, the last, like, we all have a story. But when he saw Jesus, Jesus changes everything. The love of God, the grace of God, there's no demon, there's no devil. Even today, if you are being attacked right there, there's no attack of the enemy that's greater than God. When he saw Jesus. Jesus changes lives. Jesus could change your life today. The Bible says that in this story of cutting, in this story of chains, in this story of really just pain after pain after pain in the middle of all of this, it lands on those couple of words that almost seem like they're out of place. Great things. Great things. Here's what I would like for you to do right now at, what time is it? Right at 10? Here's what I would like, here's what I would like you to do at 10 o'clock. I would like, whether or not you're a young leader like uh, Paisley, all, all the way up, maybe, maybe you're with your spouse today sitting, marriage, maybe you have kids and grandkids. I would like you at 10 o'clock right now to just take some quiet time with God. And the Bible would call it a good report. The Bible says if you find things of a good report, think about those things. Here's the thing. If you scroll social media or turn on the news, there's all kind of bad things right now. I would like you to take some time to think about some great things Maybe your great thing is you. Maybe you're the great thing. Maybe it's something else in your life. But I would like at 10 o'clock for us to take some time right now and thank God for the great things in our lives. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe, maybe it's what we would call a testimony. But just right now, you may want to close your eyes. You may want to talk to your spouse if you're sitting there. But, but I would like you to start saying some great things right now. Thank God that he gave me a car. Thank God that I have a roof over my head. Thank God that I have food. You say, Pastor Micah, that can be a great thing. Well, the Bible says if you've got breath, if you have breath, that's a good enough reason to praise. But I'm asking you right now, let's just take some time and let's say some great things. If, if God has delivered you from addictions, you say, Pastor Micah, I've been clean 62 days. Pastor Micah, I'm three years. Pastor Micah, I'm 15 days. Maybe that's your great thing. If God saved your marriage, if the devil was trying to take your marriage down, but God saved it, maybe that's your great thing. Ultimately, every one of us could think about the sin that he forgave and that miry clay that he picked us out of. But I would like you right now, let it come out of your mouth. Don't just think it. The Bible says the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. That means we say it. Say something out loud today. Thank you for my son. Thank you for my daughter. Whatever that may be, let the fruit of your lips, let thankfulness come out of you right now. Great things. Say some great things today.
some great things today. Begin to tell him how much you love him. Thankful for your faithfulness. In my deepest hurt, my toughest storms of life, when I wasn't sure I'd make it another day, God, you didn't leave me. You didn't forsake me. Maybe that's your great thing. You stood at that cemetery. You stood in that funeral home. You thought, I'll never make it, but you're here today. You're here today because of the faithfulness of God. Maybe that's your great thing. Tell him thank you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you need a great thing. You're at the crossroads of your verse 28. You're at the crossroads of your verse 28. Not only are we born in sin, but sin has a way of constantly trying to get into our lives. Maybe you're sitting here right now and your future is at a crossroads. It really is. Where you're going to be five or ten years from now could be determined by your verse 28 right now in God's presence. There's a lot of people in these verses seeing different things. They saw the swine. They saw this. They saw the pigs. They saw, but this guy saw Jesus. And I'm asking you right now to see Jesus. See Jesus here trying to save you. See Jesus trying to help you. I'm asking you to see Jesus trying to get your attention. All of the craziness and chaos going on in your life, come on, Legion. Come on, Legion. Come on, Legion. See Jesus. There's no demon and devil that's more powerful than God. If you can see Jesus, it can change your life. Will you see Jesus today? With eyes closed all over the room, if there's anyone that would just say, Pastor Micah, I need great things in my life and I need to see Jesus today. I I need Jesus to save me. I need him to help me. I need great things because right now I'm a mess. I just want you to raise your hand if that's you today. Thank you. Several of you raising your hands. I actually felt like I was preaching to you at times. Thank you. Thank you. My heart was going out to several of you and I just seen you raise your hands. Thank you for opening your heart to God's word today. Tell him, I need great things today. I need you to touch me. I need you to save me. He hears your prayer right now, whether it's your tears, whether it's your desperation. Can you imagine where Legion was at in verse 28? But when he saw Jesus, I believe right now someone, someone is seeing Jesus. I still see hands going up. Thank you. Two more hands went up. Thank you. And over here, sir, all the way by the curtain. I want to see Jesus today. I want to see Jesus today. I want to see Jesus today. My last question as I get ready to pray is, if there's someone in your life, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's a friend, but you know right now, whether it's the oppression of the enemy, the attack of the enemy, but you have someone in your life that needs God to do great things, and maybe they're not, in the place right now where they're seeing Jesus, but you would like to stand in the gap and pray for them today. You would like to call them by name and say, God, I'm asking you to do great things in their life. If a name immediately comes to mind, I just want you to raise your hand right now that you're willing you're willing to pray for them. Your son, your daughter, your grandchild, that family member. 
I see some people already standing. Hands are raised, others standing in the room. But, but whatever way you connect with that prayer, I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray prayers of appreciation and thankfulness, God, for all of the great things you've done in our lives. We pray for those in the room today that are at that crossroads and they need to see Jesus today. They need to see Jesus. They need to know that while the enemy is trying to take them down, God is trying to lift them up. While the enemy is trying to destroy them, God is trying to save them. And I pray that they would make those kind of decisions today. God, for others in the room, we raise our hand to pray for our family to pray for our friends, to say, God, don't let the enemy's plan come to pass. Let the will of God happen. Let the salvation of God come to that family member and friend today. Deliver them, free them, save them today. We pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Are you thankful that God does great things today? Can we stand all over the room and just sing this out to Him? Come on, He writes good stories. Sing it out to Him today. You write good stories, God. You write good stories, God. Why don't you raise your hands if you're able to today? God, we praise You today. We thank You today.